from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, what it is, security gang. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. Good morning to everyone tuning in. We're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, X, formerly known as Twitter, Twitch, and Rumble to everyone tuning in from all over the globe. Good morning to all of our amazing security practitioners and everyone striving to be one because, as we know, we practice security, but we're never perfect at it. So with that being said, we've got a packed show this morning. A lot of data breaches, a lot of vulnerabilities, most of all, job security. Also, tomorrow, Reaction Wednesday, submit your stories now. You can go to our website, our LinkedIn page, our Facebook page, anywhere. Submit a link. Uh, it's a story I won't read. And then tomorrow, I'll do a live reaction while doing the live show. So you can do that as well. Now, join me this morning. I've got my espresso in this beautiful, amazing Nespresso cup that comes with a machine that I've had for quite some time. I should upgrade my uh, my my glassware at some point. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. In Italy, they they typically put like a lemon, uh, like a lemon wedge at the very top of it so you can, you know, give it a lemon because they don't always wash the glasses. It's Italy. You know? It is what it is. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started with financial firms breached in the move at cyber attacks are now facing lawsuits the after effects of the move it zero day continues to impact and create a just damage all across TD Ameritrade. Charles Schwab have now been named in a new class action data breach lawsuit following last week's filing against Prudential. We talked about this last week a little bit, but in the U.S. District Court in Nebraska, um, a Complaint was filed on August 23rd, accusing both corporations of failing to secure PII, recklessness with collected data, and other offenses. Um, so they're blaming the Moved Compromise. Schultz is asking for compensation for exposing him and others to the potential fraud and the time and out-of-pocket expenses that he and other victims have incurred trying to secure their identities. Just the previous week, Prudential was likewise hit with another class action lawsuit, this time going to the U.S. District Court in New Jersey, that one by a Mr. Bruce Parker, who's demanding a jury trial in his efforts to get compensation for the company's failure to adequately protect its customer PII in the woke of the move zero-day attacks. Progress Software, for its part, used uh, which was used to reach more than 150 organization is getting hauled into court with a nationwide class action lawsuits of its own accused of negligence, breach of contract, among other misconduct. The question is, how are they going to pull off on the other end of this one? <coughs> Excuse me. So if I'm a board of directors and I'm watching this, this is something that every CISO should be bringing up to the board. This is the kind of conversation that can put a company out of business. <laughs> very, very worthy conversation to be had here. Attacks on the Citrix Netscaler systems are linked to a ransomware actor. The threat actor is believed to be tied to the FinAid hacking group exploiting CVE 2023-3519 the RCE flaw compromised to compromise unpatched Citrix Netscaler systems in a domain-wide attack. Sophos, who's been monitoring this campaign since mid-August, are reporting the threat actors are performing payload injection using BlueVPS for, mal for malware, stating deploying obfuscated PowerShell scripts and dropping PHP web shells on victim machines. These attacks continue to increase. Um, so we know that by mid-August, over 31,000 Citrix NetScaler instance remained vulnerable. Sophos is now saying that number uh, slightly decreasing, but you still need to get those uh, uh, systems patched. 
London police is warned to stay vigilant amid a major, major data breach. Hackers hit a third-party contractor's IT systems. Uh, officials say they didn't steal any addresses or financial details, but the greater London Metropolitan Police have been warned that their information name, rank ID numbers, vetting levels, and photos were all stolen by uh, attackers in a breach that affected 47,000 officers and staff. The hackers were able to get into the IT systems of a contractor tasked with printing warrant cards and staff passes. And because senior officials and officers operating in top secrecy were affected, the National Crime Agency has been brought into to assess and investigate the situation. The breach also exposed officers and counterterrorism police assigned to the royal family. Undercover officers have also been pulled from the field. This is going to set back London police significantly. It's also going to impact the national security of the UK. The company had access to names, ranks, uh, photos, vetting levels, ID numbers for officers and staff. It didn't hold any PII like addresses, phone numbers, or financial details. But once you have that information with the amount of data breaches that exist out there, it's not far-fetched that you'll be able to find all of their other PII available in some other database somewhere. So with that being said, this is significant, significant for the London police, and it's it's going to impact the national security of people in the UK uh, for the foreseeable future. A proof-of-concept exploit has now been publicly released for, vulner- for vulnerabilities in the Juniper SRX firewalls that when chained can allow unauthenticated attackers to gain remote code execution in the Juniper Juno S on unpatched devices, Juniper disclosed four medium severity bugs in its EX switches and SRX firewalls and released security patches two weeks ago. The security flaws were found in the PHP-based JWeb interface that admins can use to manage and configure Juniper devices on their networks. Chaining the uh, expo- uh, By chaining exploitation of these vulnerabilities, an unauthenticated network-based attacker may be able to remotely execute code on the devices. As they revealed, the CVE 2023-36846 spree authentication upload flaw allows unauthenticated uploading of a PHP file to a restricted directory using randomized names. The PHP config file is also uploaded to load the first file through an auto prepend file in the second step. So likely incoming attacks on the Juniper systems. Beware, be ready. An initial phase, uh, the uh, crates.io Rust package registry was recently targeted in what appears to be an initial phase of a malware attack aimed at developers, according to software supply chain company Thallium. It's uncommon for threat actors to align typo squatting and software development packages registry to deliver malware to Node.js and Python developers in these types of attacks. Criminals typically create packages with the names that are misspelled or typo squatting variants of popular packages in order to get them downloaded and achieve backend access. The report now says that such attacks have targeted the Rust package registry crates.io. Earlier this month, fortunately, the suspicious packages were detected early, but in some cases, the attacker didn't manage to add code designated to send information about the compromised host to a Telegram channel. This is likely part of a callback mechanism used for communication. The Rust Foundation was notified, and it quickly removed the packages, locked the uploader's account. GitHub was also notified and took action against the associated accounts as well. So... There's that there for Rust. Polish police, Polish police, police (laughs) on Sunday arrested two men suspected of illegally hacking into the National Railway Communication Network, which destabilized traffic in some areas of the country this weekend. The two men arrested were Polish citizens, according to Tomasz Krupa, a police spokesperson in the eastern city of Bielostok, where the arrest occurred. Police also seized radio equipment from the apartment where the men who are 24 and 29 years of age, were detained. 
On Friday night, the radio communication network of the Polish PKP railway was hacked near the northwestern city of Stettin, leading to the issuing of several stop signals, which brought to a standstill and delayed some 20 trains. Traffic resumed a few hours later. The attack continued on to Saturday and Sunday in other parts of the country without posing major problems to the traffic. Poland, an ally of the Ukraine, plays a key role in the transit of Western arms into the country. It's unknown, though, if these guys were associated with the Russians were doing this as some sort of, you know, uh, Ukraine-Russia issue, or if it was just two men in their 20s going like, I think we can hack the railway system. I think we could, too. Never underestimate human stupidity (laughs) in trying to do something like this. Humans are typically not ill-willed, rather foolish. And last week, uh, someone here said that we can't do an episode without ranting about the UN. Well, the rant continues. The UN is trying to work. uh, In a few weeks, the entire world leaders land in New York for what is what I like to call the uh, um, 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 leadership uh, virtue signaling of all things that we should all do as a world. Meanwhile, every single one of them violates human rights in their own countries. Well, they're trying to work on a cyber treaty. Talked about it last week. You can go check out the episode. I'll post it at the end of this video so you guys can go and check that out as well. And here's the deal. So now human rights organizations from all over the world uniting against the fact that this cyber crime treaty that's being negotiated could expand surveillance powers of government, give dictators further tools of repression, and continue to uh, uh, promote tyrannical governments. Now this negotiation started by Russia in 2017, hoping to develop global rules addressing the thorny issue of transnational internet crimes representative for human rights watch electronic frontier foundation access now kenya's ict action network article 19 and privacy international held a press conference on wednesday on the sidelines to highlight a range of issues they have with the current draft of the treaty deborah brown a senior researcher at human rights watch said one of the core issues is a lack of consensus consensus on what the goal of the treaty is or what it's trying to do like i.e what is the goal of the un at this point it has zero teeth it's run by tyrants i think Uh, Venezuela and Iran are on the human rights council of the UN at the moment. So if you have any sort of hope of anything coming out of the UN, just remember that Venezuela and Iran are on the human rights council at the UN telling everyone else about their human rights violation. While these two countries are, have essentially escalated to third world countries um, under the tyrannical leadership of their leaders. So with that being said, um, this is, is an absolute waste of time and power, and you shouldn't pay attention. And because I went on a rant, I want to go on a good guy rant. And I found this story online, and I absolutely loved it. This was published on Sunday in the uh, Chronicle Online, which is part of the Citrix uh, County in Florida, which is bracing as we speak for a hur- Category 3 hurricane that could potentially impact the community. However, the sheriff of this fine county Sheriff Mike Prentegrast put out a publication talking about the importance of cybersecurity for his department, the training that the sheriff office is giving its officers around cybersecurity, and some of the best practices that some of its fine residents of Citrus County, Florida, can look to do in order to stay on top of their cybersecurity. And you know what? Outside of the image having a guy with a hoodie on, um, 
a great way to localize cyber. You know what? The people who are most commonly falling for these scams are the people who would read this and would approach the sheriff. And so for the sheriff to take an initiative, put something like this out there, got to give him credit where credit is due. They've taken some of NISTA's best practices. They've taken uh, kind of the very basic stuff there, and they're using it here to spread the message of cybersecurity to all of the great people of Citrus County, Florida. And by God, the sheriff deserves a national award. So with that being said, here's the good guy rant. If we localize cybersecurity a little bit more, we'd reach more people, we'd be a bit more secure, and we'd also have a greater army, and we need that in order to win against our adversaries. That's it for our show today. Make sure to send your stories tomorrow for reaction. Wednesday, we'll be picking one lucky story where I will be giving a reaction. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Make sure to follow us on your favorite social media channels. And until then, have a great rest of your day, y'all. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.